It's time for OWC Radio, Tech Talk with Creatives, conversations with host Serena Catania, technology and creativity, gotta love it. have on the line Larry O'Connor. He is the CEO and founder of one of my favorite companies, Otherworld Computing. And I say that for many reasons, not just because we are so grateful to them for sponsoring the OWC radio, but because they are so involved on many levels in the tech world, in the creative world, and anyone who uses, produces, works with media and needs just needs technology to back them up. So, Larry, thank you from all of us, and thanks for taking the time to do this. I have a ton of questions for you today. <laughs> cool, yeah, well, this is always fun. So I enjoy being here. This is, again, it's a pleasure. So I know you've been swamped, and you have not had a chance to even uh, see Tim Cook's address to the Stanford commencement, but I wanted to just give you a few quotes and see if they resonate with you and get your reactions to them, because he was talking about builders. And you know, when I think of Tim Cook and the folks at Apple and companies like that, I always think about you and OWC, because what you are doing is for the future. It's for the present, too, but it's also for the future, and you're giving back so much. So um, it, it says here... He talks about, and a lot of the press have been covering the fact that he talked about the crisis and chaos, but what he did say, he says, the blind faith has been shaken a bit. He says here, crisis has tempered optimism, consequences have challenged idealism, and reality has shaken blind faith. But then he goes on to say, for good reasons. Big dreams live here, as do the genius and passion to make them real. In an age of cynicism, this place still believes that the human capacity to solve problems is boundless. And I wanted to get your reaction to that. I love it. It's 100%. I mean, it, progress doesn't come without consequence. And every step forward, you know, there's new challenges that have to be solved that that progress ultimately leads to. But on the same page with 100%. I know they're referring to a lot of the things that are going on with the you know, possible regulation of you know, different tech companies that have you know, perhaps you know, forgotten their original mission that you know, started out and are still based in Silicon Valley. But you know, ultimately, you know, there's a lot of good there, and it's it's like any every generation has got to deal with the the consequences of you know, and perhaps perhaps the uh, the abuse of you know what's good with the uh, say the, the temptation of you know, misusing you know how to say that next you know great leap. Yeah, he goes on to say... Yeah, brilliant words. Yeah, I I think uh, the speech, I believe, is going to go into history as being one of the best of our generations, to be honest with you. He brought up so many issues, but he did them so eloquently, and as such a gentleman, I appreciated it. He says, he talks about all the mental effort that it takes to build something. He said, what's true then is true now. Don't waste your time living someone else's life. Don't try to emulate the people who came before you to the exclusion of everything else, contorting into a shape that doesn't fit. It takes too much mental effort, effort that should be dedicated to creating and building. You'll waste precious time trying to rewire your every thought, and in the meantime, you won't be fooling anybody. Graduates, the fact is, when your time comes, and it will, you'll never be ready. And then he goes on, in the end to say, and always remember, you can't take it with you. You're going to have to pass it on. I was very moved by that. What do you think? Uh, you really can't argue with those words. I mean, they're, 
you know, they timeless and definitely respective of reality, you know, versus you know, anything you want to try to hide behind. Absolutely. And, you know, I thought about you immediately, Larry, because my experience with you and with the company over the last many years has been that you always live in the present for the people that have your products. You have great customer service. And I don't want to sound like an advertisement for OWC. That's not why I'm saying this. I'm saying this because there are people like Tim Cook and people like you and others in the tech community who spend their whole lives building products for other people. And you always talk about giving back. Talk about OWC and giving back. You know, it's interesting. I go outside of OWC and talk to folks and, you know, kind of explain some of the things that we do. And some people are astonished, impressed at that. And, you know, really, you know, you you give from the heart. I mean, it's not something, it's kind of a, it's almost just a common sense ingrained thing. I mean, it's, you do what you can, where you can, how you can. And, you know, some of the giving back is, you know, donations, different things we believe in areas that, you know, we have the ability, the understanding you know, the health, you know, whether it's our technology, experience, whatever it may be. I mean, you can give back in all sorts of different ways. Other areas, you know, quite frankly, you know, you know, are in products that we create. I mean, there's stuff we support out there that we support not because it's, you know, not because anybody else really would even want to support in terms of, you know, the segment that it, you know, is there for, but because it, you know, it makes a difference to the people who need it, people that matter, and it has a, a benefit. It could be environmental. It could be you know, any number of different things, but it makes a difference for, you know, a group that we I believe still needs that difference made, and you know we we like the cause, but it's mm-hmm. just fundamental to who we are, who you know how we go. I mean, maximizing you know all those resources, giving people you know the best opportunities to make the biggest difference they can in the world. Now, we don't make solar panels or wind turbines, but <laughs> you know, that technology enabled us to to be less impactful, to you know, be able to do more with a and reduce our own footprint in, in the world. Now, we extend the life of these computers because. You know, there's, you know, these these systems should last forever. They they can last for, well, not quite forever, but for a very long time. And it's really cool to, to keep them in, in people's hands where they can be, you know, productively doing something versus really the, the non-friendly uh, you know, and certainly not, you know, efficient uh, you know, option of ending up disassembled or, or worse, how to say, in a landfill. You know, I love your DIY videos about how to upgrade your computers. I've done it before based on what I've learned from OWC. I had an old laptop that that lasted for years and years, and it's still going. It's a 2011, and I put some new drives in it with your videos, with the help of your videos, and now I'm teaching other people how to do it. It was great. But you're right. Those things can last a lot longer than, um, you know, planned obsolescence of the 50s doesn't always have to come true, does it? No, and it shouldn't. And, you know, I, I had some conversations with some people and kind of had a, you know, I uh, started looking at things a little bit differently, but you know, it's interesting. You, know, you look at prior generations. I mean, how to say, and I'm, I'm talking to people in their 50s, 60s, 70s, and they, some folks, not everybody, but there's a large percentage of the population that, you know, if you go back, you know, 30, 40, 50 years, certainly 30 or 40 or 20 or 30 years, you know, we have great abundance today. Our biggest issue with abundance is, you know, using it correctly. But compared to, you know, when the population was half the size it is today, a third the size it is today, you know, the abundance then, I mean, the resources were endless. And if you walk into the grocery store today, you know, in the commercial world with all the, uh, how to say, the advertisements and marketing and lobbies and everything else going on that, you know, this consumer society, which, again, I'm not by any means saying there's 
that that itself is fundamentally wrong, but the way it's marketed, you know, there's still the illusion that, you know, there's an endless supply of everything, that the resources that make this stuff possible, whether it be fresh water, energy, you know, the impact of you know, air quality, everything else that we depend on, the fisheries, you name it, you know, are boundless. And you know, that's not quite the case, but, you know, a lot of folks that are in denial of, you know, what, you know, we're facing going forward, you know, they come from a time when there really were boundless resources. Today, we still have plenty of abundance, but if we don't manage it right, if we don't pay attention and, and take the steps today to make sure those resources are used efficiently, that we do maximize in what we have, you know, tomorrow becomes you know, a lot more difficult. But it is real hard getting through the folks that you know, grew up in a day when you didn't have to think about any of this stuff. And still, from their point of view, if I, you go to the grocery store, these things that people talk about, you know, being you know, threats to the system. Why are they still available in the store? Why can I still walk in and buy them? Like I've always bought them if you know, they're really uh, at risk or creating risk. And it's, it's interesting, but I give a lot of, I mean, you look at the class that, that Tim Cook just preached. I mean, the current generations get it. It's just, it's, it, and again, I, I honestly not too concerned for the future because folks like yourself, folks like, you know, I mean, folks in general, how to say, in the, the younger generations, I, I do think they're more cognizant that this ship is turning very, very quickly. We just need to make sure that the airtime is given to those that are actually you know, building the future and not those that, you know, quite frankly, at this point are still are already past that, that point and are, are no longer really, not to say they're not, contributing is not the right word, but you know, no longer uh, you know, building for tomorrow. I mean, they're, they built and you know, they deserve credit for everything that they built. And now it's the next generation, the next generations that will get things uh, hopefully in alignment for you know, the future to come. But that's every every generation has its challenge, mm-hmm. and it's up to every generation to, to surpass it. You know, we have great new technologies, great new advancements, and bottom line is like everything else, making sure that that you know is applied in the best way possible. You know, the best things in the world can obviously be used for ultimately get turned into things that they weren't originally intended for. But you know, we're still better off having. You know, most of those most of those advancements. I kind of ramble on and switch switch around here. <laughs> I uh, I have a lot of faith in not just the new generations, but the way that the baby boomers and that generation have been evolving, and the things that you've done for all of these generations. I really do think that uh, we're very lucky right now to have the things that we have. And I look around at the productions that I'm involved in and what I have that I need to use on a tech side in order to tell my stories. And I I see a marriage there. I mean, I I think we're all in the same tribe. And I look around when we go to events like NAB or IBC or NAM and People gather together because they care about the stories that they're telling, but they need companies like the the hardware companies, the software companies, you know, the tech creators. They need that. So it's kind it's kind of exciting. But you know, I um I I know that you were really excited about the new Mac Pro because uh quite a few reasons, and and I want to make sure because you've got some new products too. So I don't even know what to talk about first. What do you want to talk about first? The your reaction to the new Mac? Well, I'd love to talk about Apple's new hardware. <laughs> do it. <laughs> I, I tell you the the. the the Mac Mini, I tell you, when Mac, Apple introduced the new Mac Mini, you know, late last year, that was it provided that glimmer of hope for the uh, the future. And, you know, a new mm-hmm. hope was born. You know, they took away the, uh, you know, they 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 neutered the, uh, you know, the Mac Mini in 2014, and it really, I mean, they had really two directions to go with that, and they could have further, they could have turned it into a, you know, basically an Apple TV type device with 
even less functionality, or they could give us some horsepower and give people back a little bit of control over how they configure and what they can do today and still have some flexibility for the future. And Apple went in, in a great direction on that machine. And that machine, you know, we could, well, I look at something like our mini stack, which we designed just for the Mac mini. It's a product that's been around for about a decade, actually over a decade now, because we had it for the uh, the previous uh, Mac mini design as well. And, you know, the mini stack, I mean, we had a, from a, a time perspective, we had, you know, over a year supply of the product. I mean, it really slowed down after uh, Apple, you know, for all practical purposes, abandoned the Mac mini. Mm-hmm. And when the new one came out, you know, all of a sudden that over year supply was gone in, you know, less than two months. We actually, you know, got behind the curve on it because there was such, all of a sudden, here was a machine that, you know, people were buying and, you know, of course, they needed storage for it. But the main point was, you know, I don't think that, that previous mini was, you know, selling all that great. Certainly not to the, uh, to the broad base uh, you know, that the previous Mini appealed to. And Apple brought a good part of that back with a machine that's incredibly powerful that can even be, with external devices, can even be brought up you know, to compete with an iMac Pro, which really, really impressive. But getting to the, the, the great new Mac Pro, you know, you know, that certainly, it, you know, Apple was definitely mm-hmm. listening when they, they went the direction they did in the Mac Mini. And Apple certainly, for the most part, lived up to expectations, high expectations, with what that new Mac Pro was going to deliver, you know, when they introduced it at WWDC, you know, it was either going to be a great machine or it was going to be something that closed the door in the pro world if it wasn't, uh, if it didn't measure up, add up, and you know, it's the price point is there's a little sticker shock there, that that's for sure. But you well, know, all you things know, considered, not, the new Mac Pro is what is it starting at about fifty six hundred, something like that. I mean, for a pro machine, I I think that's competitive, don't you? When you compare it to other uh, platforms well, or not? Well, you know, I, I don't disagree with comparing it to other platforms. I mean, there's certainly truth in that. You know, the only issue that Apple kind of created for themselves, and we'll see how that plays out, is because we didn't have a real pro machine in terms of what the pros needed for the last you know, few years. You know, they created this, it's not just, people aren't just comparing it to uh, you know, other, you know, how do I say, similar models are comparing it to the horsepower they can build in, you know, Hackintosh. Mm-hmm. And, you know, or you the dream machines. The PC space for, mm-hmm. for the dream machines. You've, you've switched, I mean, you're competing with a world that now has gotten used to, you know, they aren't necessarily buying a Dell. They're, they may be buying something that they put together or some other, you know, there's a zillion different companies to put, you know, decent, you know, server-grade machines together on the PC side. So all in all, I mean, I'm looking forward to... Uh, how to say, the, the scene that machine come out. I mean, it's one thing that Apple delivers is stability and overall integration and, and reliability that nobody else you know, matches yet today. And time is irreplaceable. Again, I'm not, I'm not saying that the, uh, the price isn't you know, fair for the machine, but you know, perhaps they could have, I don't know, I'm not going to get into the, the super cheese grater uh, design. I mean, the old one, you know, Named the cheese grater. Okay, had the grates and all. This one looks like a cheese grater. I mean, this one you could probably actually grate cheese with. You know, the other one, not quite so much. This one, this one, I think you could actually take to that uh, to that level. And it's it's interesting. People are either love the design or hate the design. I'm relatively neutral on this stuff because you know, I want the. Uh, I'm, I'm big on the function. Yeah, and I agree. Pro machine. I, I mean, it's. it's I care more about what's inside. I can, you know, that let them worry about the design. I, I'm more worried about what's inside. Um, you know, there's so much. What Can you tell people exactly what Xeon processors are? What is it? How is it different? 
the Xeon processor does, how do I say, I mean, compared to the uh, standard, I mean, at the end of the day for, you know, raw horsepower, you know, depending on what you're doing, there's not, in some cases, there's not a lot of difference, or you can even have, you know, slightly less, you know, performance, but there's more, how do I say, I guess you could say there's more towing power for more complex tasks that are, you know, multi-threaded, and how to say, and, and you know, take advantage of the you know, parallel processes. You know, the Xeon processor is a ro- more robust, more reliable, has more air handling capability, and the bottom line is less affected to be, is less likely to be affected by. You know, you have things that limit where you know, effectively, heat's not going to be something that's going to bring that processor down. I mean, it's a higher grade processor. I mean, it's to a certain degree, it's, and this is not, this is not a direct analogy. Don't come out saying that. Uh, because Thunderbolt's not enterprise, but it's like comparing Thunderbolt to, to USB. USB is great for plenty of things, and USB and Thunderbolt for a lot of things perform very similar in terms of raw performance. But Thunderbolt is head and shoulders above USB when it comes to overall reliability, stability, and how to say user experience. You know what they expect, the, the consistency, of what you're going to get out of it. And then at enterprise level, at application level, you know the amount of horsepower and torque, and I'll call it tor- towing power. You know, Xeon is a, I mean, that's a, that's a server grade, you know, 24-7 mission critical, you know, level processor, you know, versus, you know, a consumer prosumer processor, which the, uh, the standard i7s, i9s are. Hmm. So, but that uh, doesn't mean, again, that, that doesn't mean that they're any less capable, just means in terms of a heavy ongoing workflow, you know, certainly things that are, that, that take more, you know, have more threads, more, more things, you just end up, it's it's they're cooler under pressure, I guess would be you know, one way to put it. Well, I'm sitting here on a desk with an iMac and a big 27 inch monitor, and it feels like the heat is on. So I think about the heat that Xeon yeah. might generate, and if, if it's better with heat, that's a good thing, right? Or am I talking about something completely different? I'm trying to understand what's under the hood here. Well, that's a your I mean that's a whole other Apple's well Apple type of thing. You know, the heat that the iMac radiates is mainly because of the design of the iMac and the, the and Apple's insistence on, you know, dead quiet, which is, is really a, a good thing. But, you know, in the case of the iMac, just because of, just by means of its design, you end up with heat buildup. The processor can take it, but, yeah, you end up with, you know, you feel that heat venting because the temperature rises to a higher temperature than, than would be otherwise if there is different uh, a little bit different cooling going on. The Mac Pro is going to design that definitely has superior will have superior cooling, you know, versus a iMac. Ultimately, if you're in a room, I mean, both contribute the same heat, but the heat that you know is right in front of you, in front of you at the ventilation point, you know, will be will be lower. Talking about all sorts of different things, but the the Mac the new Mac Pro is production high level production class that you know whereas you know you'll be pushing the processor in a in a desktop or an iMac that kind of system. You know, to its maxes, you know, well, Apple already demonstrated with some of the things they showed up on stage, you know, with that Xeon processor and that platform. I mean, it, it won't even be breaking the sweat. It has, it'll have more to give, you know, versus being, you know, pushed to the red line. I love the fact that it can have up to 1.5 terabytes of RAM, which it's going to need if it's running all of those threads, right? The short answer is yes. I mean, there would definitely be ways to take advantage of that memory, which is pretty darn cool. We're looking forward to looking forward to being able to load that sucker up uh, with OWC memory. We're also really excited about you know, having PCI slots, those those expansion bays, and you know, we've already got a uh, how to say a, a significant uh, number of product uh, designs and uh, solutions that would be should be hopefully if all goes. Uh, the way it's going right now, they'll be ready when that machine's ready. That's awesome. So talk we to have me. a machine that we can expand now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think um, 
we all have wanted expandable Macs for a long time. I'm really excited about it. The, these last ones, I've talked to you a couple of times and heard the disappointment in your voice when we were talking about the fact that some of these products couldn't be expanded. Now, And now we've got something that can be. I think everybody's saving up their pennies for these machines. And certainly the enterprise, the corporations that work in the gaming industry, for example, are going to be jumping all over this thing. Because I don't know that there's anything comparable out there, right? None. I mean, from a hardware level, there mm-hmm. really isn't. And from a, just a total, you know, reliability, just from the whole package, what you get in the is it on the Apple platform. You know, when you put the hardware and the software together, you know, Apple, you know, honestly, today still can't be beat. So, it, no, those machines are. They will again. They're price tag. It is what it is. But all all things being said, you know, they'll they'll pay for themselves. Yeah. Talk to me about what OWC is doing to handle the demand on 8K, 1000K. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's getting a little ridiculous. Um, I was looking at the Mercury Helios, the eGPU that you have, and wondering if you would talk to us again about that and tell us if there's anything developed in that area since we spoke last. And I don't remember if we covered, covered it or not, but you know, multi-GPU capability is you know, being brought into the equation for... Uh, Different software apps, you know, Adobe, you know, for their Creative Suite, and Premiere have have brought that into uh, into action, and that means things that with a single GPU you might have taken just to make up a number and not remaking it up. It's I think relatively similar to the real world. Maybe it took 90 seconds, you know, even with a new modern you know single GPU. But when you can use both GPUs and split, uh, I had to say uh, split that load. It's not even splitting the load. It's it's gaining efficiencies from you know that multi GPU. Something that took 90 seconds can be knocked down to you know, I think it was somewhere between 18 and 24 seconds. Huge, 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 you know, improvement in benefit. And, you know, the, you know, where we don't have slots in all these other machines, it is really slick that we can connect. You can, you know, when something changes, a new codec comes out, new advancement in uh, GPUs, you know, comes into play that you can simply plug in uh, our Helios. Actually, the best thing, not just plug in it, you know, every time a new one comes out, you can get our Helios today, put in that, you know, that right GPU into the Helios today, and you know, a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, everything else is cranking good. But something's changed in the the world in terms of your video requirements, GPU requirements. You know, pull the uh, pull the uh, the card out of the Helios that's in there now, put a brand new GPU in, and now you're up to date. You know, with GPUs, because I mean, if we had upgradable GPUs in all these systems for the last five six years, I think that there'd be a lot less. But you probably have substantially fewer system sales just on the basis that more than anything else, you know, GPU demands have changed, you know, less so, I should say more, a lot more so than the uh, the processor. So now we got the Mac Pro and, you know, with slots, so, you know, there won't be, uh, you know, the limitation of, you know, what it came with is is it inside, and that's a whole different level. But even for iMac Pro and Mac Mini, you know, MacBook Pros, all these systems, you know, they're they're no longer obsolete just because the GPU is no longer able to, you know, meet what today's demands are. The process is great. It's just a, a new codec or need a faster GPU. You know, let, let's let's swap the GPU. Let's or, or add a Helios if you haven't already done so. The only thing I'm still hoping Apple, you know, gets around, gets you know, going around, is you know, supporting the Nvidia in addition to AMD. I mean, that that would be a, a huge game changer for a lot of folks. That's mm-hmm. one of the biggest feedbacks we get, bringing hmm. actually having proper NVIDIA support you know, back on the Mac. And, you know, it's interesting. It's not a vanity thing with us. Speed is not – it's not about pushing on the pedal and, and 
breaking the speed limit. It's because we have work to do, and time is money, and efficiency is money, and we are all of us, from the largest companies on down to the one-person shop working alone in an apartment, we are all against the wall with budgeting and with time constraints and with crew constraints. And so anything that makes us more efficient uh, and and hardware you can trust, that's the other thing, because it's just nerve-wracking. I had a long conversation today with a person running a media department at a university and they had gotten some equipment from a company that will remain nameless brand new drives populating everything and the drives started to go before they even started loading media on them that's crazy so uh you know you're talking speed you're talking also security with these you didn't mention it but i i believe that there's some security issues that you've handled with some of this or are you just cognizant of it how's all that working with security all of our products in terms of mm-hmm. encryption security yeah yes that that's we we certainly are cognizant of it and our products support it and the even the new software aid uh, will enable full encryption capability so mm-hmm. definitely you know, all over that i still argue that you know i say the best security is controlling your data controlling access to your data Mm-hmm. You know, as opposed to you know, too heavy of encryption. Cause the problem with encryption, you know, especially for kids, it happens all the time. Even with basic encryption, you know, they put little lock codes on their devices, and you know, obviously, you know, when they, they put that device down for six months, and somebody hasn't kept track of what the key is, and suddenly mm-hmm. whatever whatever priceless data was being protected mm-hmm. by that encryption is now, you know, how do I say it's 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 locked away forever. Mm-hmm. But in any event, no, we're cognizant of security is important depending upon the environment. I mean, there's there's places for, for absolutely everything. Just, yeah, there's balanced use. There's all these questions going through my head because I'm limited. I know I have limited time and I want to make sure we cover as much as possible. You tweeted out, uh, and this is just a very small thing, but I'm curious about the difference between USB-C and Thunderbolt 3 because a lot of people think it's the same kind of connection, and it's really not. It's completely different, and the speeds are different, right? It was surprising to me that, you know, because it got so close, it's not surprising now, but it was first brought to me that, you know, when you ask somebody if they have an SSD or a hard drive, that they'll say yes to both questions and not realize that they're, you know, two different types of technology. That, you know, the SSD is super fast, and a hard drive can't ask that's yesterday in terms of mm-hmm. speed, certainly in a boot drive. But Type mm-hmm. C and uh, Thunder, Thunderball 3. You know, Intel made a, a huge mistake, in my humble opinion, of marketing. Initially doing marketing of Thunderball 3 is the uh, the USB-C that does everything. And today, a lot of people, even some folks that you know, are, I mean, huge, I mean are, are top in terms of the DIT space, you know, how they make everything go. But, you know, they're buying from the right places because they're buying from us. But, you know, one of these guys came to me and said, wow, hey, those those 10G uh, you know, USB-C adapters, I think that you got us. Awesome. They're working perfect. You know, they had to replace some old uh, you know, Thunderbolt 2. Uh, they were trying to adapt with an Apple adapter that wasn't working. It wasn't, it wasn't our stuff. But to the point, I, I, my first response was, what USB-C tension adapters? We don't have a USB-C. I, I just got them last week. And, no, there's you know, like th- oh, <laughs> Thunderbolt 3. So that's Thunderbolt 3. Is it, we, what's Thunderbolt 3? What do you mean Thunderbolt 3? I thought USB-C and Thunderbolt 3 were the same thing. I said, hmm. no, gosh. Thanks, Intel. 
But yeah, a lot of people, and that's a problem because you go on Amazon, everybody says Thunderbolt 3 compatible, and it's kind of like people consider, you know, is it you know, Advil or is it ibuprofen? They're the same things. I mean, it's the same stuff in a different shell, and it's like, no, this is not generic versus, you know, real Thunderbolt. This is These are two different interfaces, two mm-hmm. entirely different levels, two entirely different interface protocols for that matter. They happen mm-hmm. to share the same connection, but no, they're they're different, and that's... It's important to know. I mean, USB is still USB. You know, Thunderball is still that heads and shoulders above. USB is an interface with overhead that you know, effectively is attached on and is a, is a go-between between the processor and your device. PCIe gives that direct path. Actually, Thunderball 3 is basically a PCIe lane, or PCIe lanes is like plugging a card in inside your computer. Two very different things going on there. So the, the argument about speed... Um, some people were saying the other day on a forum I was on that uh, USB-C was faster than Thunderbolt 3. And I wanted to disagree, but I didn't <laughs> want to create an argument. But that's not been my experience. Am I wrong or right? No, you're 100% right. I mean, USB-C, it's you know, 3.1 Gen 2 is currently the, the fastest implementation of USB over Type-C. I mean, that's limited to 10 gigabits. Thunderbolt 3 is 40 gigabits. Now, there's overhead in Thunderbolt 3 because part of that, four, it's not overhead, it's, that's actually not, that, that's incorrect. Let me let me be more uh, you know, uh, accurate there. There's allocation in that Thunderbolt 3 connection for display, but which, you know, that's 12 gigabits of that is, is provided for, you know, for, for supporting display. So you have 40 gigabits, you know, enough to drive a 5K display, even an 8K display now, Plus you've got the uh, plus you have the data side and, and the data you know 28 gigabits is available for data, so you're 2.8 now. How you look at it, you have 2.8 times the uh, the bandwidth for uh, for data that you on Thunderbolt 3 than you have on USB C. And USB C has some display interface capabilities as well, but that's all with it's all sucked into that 10 gigabits. So there's there's no from a performance point today there is no comparison between uh, USB 3.1 Gen 2 over Type C. And Thunderbolt three, and then the next implementation of uh, of USB C, uh, I'm sorry, USB rather, you know, we'll move that up to forty. I'm sorry, to twenty gigabits, you know, uh, throughput for USB. But you're still effectively half the bandwidth of what you get on Thunderbolt. Thunderbolt does. I mean, Intel is accurate in saying it's the USB C that does everything because you can do, you know, with Thunderbolt, you can have you know the display going, all the data going. You can have the equivalent of multiple USB C devices you know, through a single uh, Thunderbolt chain versus, you know, a single-ended USB product. But it's the confusion of people now thinking the USB-C is, you know, Thunderbolt 3 and USB-C are interchangeable. Now, I mean, technically they're interchangeable from the point that if it's supposed Thunderbolt 3, you can plug either device, either kind of device into it. But, yeah, Thunderbolt 3, sorry to, to get so wordy on this, but it's people need to know if it's Thunderbolt, you know, it's much faster, Potentially. Now, there are cases where just because of the product, I mean, you're, the interface is faster, but if you have, if you're connecting, you know, something that's not going to take advantage of the interface, you're not getting the benefit of speed, but what you are getting is less overhead, you know, lower latency, and ultimately a more reliable interface that's, you know, really plugging straight into your data and more responsive than what you get with USB. And some of it, you know, doesn't matter in the real world. Other things are definitely measurable and have an impact uh, applications that uh, people use even if it's even if you get the same raw bandwidth you know, benchmark out of something for just what the throughput might be you know the real world on Thunderbolt typically uh, exceeds even where you don't hit the uh, you're not hitting the, the, the top of the ceiling of what the interface can do you still get a benefit with Thunderbolt and the other huge thing about Thunderbolt everything that's Thunderbolt 
is certified. It does not get to ship as a Thunderbolt product unless both Apple, well, if you're, if you're Apple compatible, it has to be Apple. If you're just doing Windows, it's just Intel. But if you're marketing for, uh, if you're offering your product uh, to, on the, in the Apple world, it's got to be both Intel and Apple certified and, and pass their testing, their lab testing, before it can be released and shipped into the market. Plus power devices, you know, you have to be certified not just with the actual drive that's going to be inside of those devices, which is why, by the way, you cannot buy a Thunderbolt uh, product that's bus powered, you know, without a drive coming inside of it. But not only does the drive have to be certified that goes into it, we want to do a new firmware revision. You know, we've done some adjustments. We've got a next rev. We may have done a year of, you know, testing qualification before we can update and start shipping with our new just a firmware revision. You have know, a drive this inside a, uh, one of these bus power devices. The new the, a drive with a new firmware's got to go into certification. The hmm. experience on the Thunderbolt side is is certified and guaranteed. You know for its consistency. There's a it's some, I mean, if a new OS update comes out and causes a conflict with a Thunderbolt device, typically it's responsibility of Intel and or the manufacturer to make sure that you know whatever has come up gets fixed. Because once it's certified, it's it's in the uh, I guess you could call it it's kind of in the book in the log, and it's a product that's you know. If you pass certification, and it needs to be supported. If there's a firmware update issue, even the manufacturing case can push an update. You know that will that will update Intel's chipset you know, on that device to, to ensure that everything continues to flow and operate correctly. You know things get delayed sometimes simply because there's going to be a major evolution that's important you know, for that product to work right and not be a uh, you know not be a bottleneck, not be something that's you know has to be accommodated. You know, to the detriment of other devices down the road. So a current product might come out a little bit later to make sure that it, it's got all the right stuff so that, again, that everybody in the entire ecosystem is all good. USB-C, USB in general, changes happen all the time. And we, you know, I'd say we comply with certifications. We don't just throw chipsets in a box. You know, when you buy a USB device from us, you can count on it being supported and being compatible and, and working the way it's supposed to work. But ultimately, in, in the world out there, yeah, a lot of USB stuff. It's, it's very tough to count on USB in general because there's there's no real regulation. Regulation is the wrong word, but there's no certification over it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing out there mm-hmm. that you know that gives you the uh, that gives you any kind of assurance that other than you know the brand that you trust and the experience you have and you know, who you're working with that that you can count on just because it says it's USB C that you're going to get the experience with that device this USB. Now, with another device, it's USB just because it's USB. But for the most part, you know, on the Thunderbolt side, you know, the actual, at least what the device is supposed to do for interface point of view, you know, that gets, uh, that there's a, a high level of certification. The thing that's not certified on things that, you know, bus powered, bus goes inside, gets certified. There's heavy testing done by Intel. You pay Apple and Intel to, to effectively, you know, tell the world that, and actually tell you and give you approval that, yes, you can ship that configuration of your bus power solution to the world on external products, you know, that are powered by the AC, you know, that's where, you know, we still have a significant differentiation because even though every Thunderbolt product for the most part, you know, is, it has passed certification. It doesn't mean that all, you know, base products are built equal, but the next uh, level on top of that is what's put inside those solutions and how those are qualified, tested and prepared. And the drives you put inside a solution, the, the cards you put inside a solution, the things you put in that don't have to be certified as part of the Thunderbolt device, you know, that's another area of differentiation. And you mm-hmm. know, you know, that, but that, that, that helps, uh, you know, I shouldn't say helps, I mean, that's certainly an area where 
you know, we've also we also do things to be heads and shoulders above the competition. I was wondering um, if I can ask you a quick question. Well, while I was watching the dub dub, we call it, um, everything is tied around Thunderbolt three, and you know Thunderbolt four has already been announced. I was wondering what that's going to do on the back end for companies like Apple and companies like OWC that are going to have to change and bring in new products, or am I wrong about that? I just had a fleeting thought about that, like all this millions of dollars in in uh, research and the back end that goes into putting out a product like this, and then if Thunderbolt comes out, well, it already has, isn't it, been announced? USB 4 has been announced. Thunderbolt 4 is still, how to Thunder- say, okay. is, say, behind the scenes. There's always going to be things moving. I mean, when PCIe 4 comes out, Thunderbolt 4 will come out. We'll double from okay. 40 gigabits to 80 gigabits. But we're 4 is compatible. I mean, the, uh, we're backwards and 4 is compatible for the most part on these interfaces. So, you know, it's, it's yes, we'll be moving to a new chipset, but the fundamentals and design, fortunately, don't change. I mean, there's a lot from Thunderbolt 1 to Thunderbolt 2. Yeah, there's some, actually, I guess, actually, with each and every new step, I mean, it's to a certain degree, it becomes a little bit easier because we have the experience. And, I mean, we've been doing this for, <laughs> since the, the dawn of Thunderbolt. <laughs> and actually, a funny thing, I love talking about it, when Thunderbolt was called Light Peak before it even became Thunderbolt, you know, it was actually uh, one of the first demos that, uh, that Intel released to the product. You know, we actually smiled because we looked at the enclosure they put it in. You know, it wasn't, you know, it certainly wasn't our Light Peak board, but it was, they used one, they retrofitted one of our chassis with their uh, Light Peak. To oh, do I the, love it. What we believe were some of the very first Thunderbolt uh, demos. But, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, technology is always changing and we just have to keep rolling with the uh, the change. But even when we went from Thunderbolt 2 to Thunderbolt 3, and it was stupid. We watched companies out there promising the Thunderbolt 3, we got Thunderbolt 3 or 40 gigabits for so much faster than Thunderbolt 2 and you know, it'd be the same drive array with a Thunderbolt 3 uh, you know, interface uh, design and well the drives didn't get any faster you know four drives uh, connected via Thunderbolt 2 is really aren't any faster when they're connected via Thunderbolt 3 because the, the spinning drives are the limit so when we get to uh, Thunderbolt 4 certainly the, the fun there will be able to do we'll be able to do more with SSDs it takes a lot of hard drives to top out Thunderbolt 3 today when Thunderbolt 4 is there I mean we're going to be more of a we're even more of a flash world and I'm excited to. Uh, I'm excited for the solutions we'll be able to plug in externally when that technology comes to bear. It's really incredible what technology and, and every every time it advances, you know, it's, you know, it, people push it to the next level. I mean, video quality it you know, goes up. The, you know, the demands on you know what you're going to capture when you're shooting video, you know, jump. I mean, in stores, fortunately, I, I do believe by and large it's kept up. If you have time for one more question, you have a new. Envoy that you're releasing, right? That just came out. Yeah, we have our Envoy. Uh, it's it. You know, we have our Pro EX for Thunderbolt three, which you know, that that is absolute tops in performance across the board. And it's very uh, frankly, it's unbelievably inexpensive. You know, for Thunderbolt. And now the next uh, piece of that, we have a, a USB Type C, a USB C version. You know, ten gigabits. Hmm. You know, coming out. That's actually actually I shouldn't say coming out. It's it's just now uh, beginning the ship. You know, that product is reliable. You can trust it. it. It's an OWC USB product, but it's up to about 1,000 megabytes a second, actually about 980 megs a second sustained. It'll plug in the Blackmagic camera, so it's a, you know, they'd support the USB Type-C, which is slick for a lot of people. plugs into anything with Thunderbolt 3 or USB Type-C, but you know, extremely fast, up to two terabytes of quiet, rugged uh, SSD that you know, will fit in the palm of your hand, and on top of everything else, it's dustproof. And it's also, um, you know, it's, well, safe for water is, you know, how do I say, is, I guess I don't know is the best way of putting it, but if it's, if you can, 
up to a meter of water for 30 minutes, it'll it 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 survives without any uh, any issues. So an unexpected wow. splash or you know that monsoon you walked into or you know prefer you dropped it in the uh, it, it fell into you know some mode of water where you can recover it uh, without reasonable difficulty. Uh, it, it's it's built to uh, to take the elements, and we're really excited about the uh, the product. It's amazing how much SSD uh, how much flash cost has come down and how uh, you know we've been able to maintain performance. And I gosh if we have Two more. Stuff. I have. I do have a minute for this, and really want to go out there. Flash has come down, usually in price, but you got to be really, really careful. You know, when you look at uh, and you're comparing Flash. You know, one of the big drivers in price more recently has been the advent of uh, quad layer uh, Flash, and the the QLC uh, product, as opposed to and you see this with TLC. TLC is you know, 3D has come a long, you know, has come a long ways. And this, everything we built today now uses uh, a combination of SLC and, and TLC. And I don't want to get overly technical, but you know, there's a cheap flash that I mean, there's the, the next generation you know, adds another layer. But the consequence of, of the uh, the additional layer, the the price is extremely uh, aggressive, but the performance is really poor, and the durability is substantially reduced. Hmm. Whereas you know, this TLC stuff is. With the SLC, I mean, by design, you know, we're able to maintain performance end-to-end on drives, you know, keep things cranking. QLC you know, typically is great for reads, but any kind of write load, number one, it doesn't have a lot of write durability for it. You can burn this flash out a lot quicker than previous generations. The other huge thing is after uh, a relatively small amount of writes, typically less than, you know, 1-2% of the drive capacity, Whoa. you go from a drive that might be bursting at crazy speeds that, you know, they'll tout as they're, you know, peak writes and you know, peak reads to speeds that can be slower than a hard drive. Now, any SSD, with rare exception, is going to be faster than a hard drive for uh, high I/O uh, operations because a hard drive can drop to, you know, less than a megabyte per second uh, when you really put a bunch of uh, small, you know, high volume calls. on. when you get the, you know, the hard drives are typically today 500, 700 IOPS, whereas whereas an SSD can handle. You know, you know, 60, 70, over 100,000, depending upon the drive. So when you get, the IOPS don't really matter so much until you're dealing with small files, mainly, especially database-driven calls. But mm-hmm. on a uh, these QLC drives, well, yeah, they, they'll, they'll maintain 100 megs a second you know, with IOPS. You know, I'd say with high IOPS, with small file calls, if you're doing video, if you're doing you know, audio, if you're doing things that are streaming you know, data where you need to maintain a, a high actual pure data rate, you know, you make you get that in burst, and then you actually can drop into a situation where those drives are again half, you know, a third of the speed of you know some of today's hard drives. Yeah, again, if you're upgrading from a hard drive, you don't even notice the difference. But if you're doing something in the professional world, you very quickly realize the, uh, the you know, why that drive was cheap. And mm-hmm. you got to really look up. Sometimes you got to look beneath the hood, or or again, whether it's hopefully it's OWC, but whomever it may be, just make sure you, you know the brand that you're you're buying and you know what they're selling. So you're not disappointed. It's really hard. We don't know what's under the hood a lot of times, you know. We're going on what we're told on the box, and a lot of us don't know what's under the hood. So you do have to be careful where you get it. Larry, I thank you so much for your time. Is there anything else we didn't cover that you might want to bring up? No, you can, you know, I'm sure as soon as, uh, as soon as we uh, turn this sign this off, I'm sure there'll be 20 things. I go, darn it. <laughs> back, or back. I missed this, that, but... I, I think we can do this. I, I think, I'm sure we can do this again in a couple of weeks. But you know, ultimately, you know, we're professionals. You know, we understand we understand professionals, and 
it's you know we just want to see that everybody has you know whatever the solutions be wherever they you know may be whether we contribute or somebody else has already got a great solution just want to see creatives able to to create and do so with as little effort as possible other than the the creative process because that that saps you enough you don't need to be thinking you don't want to be thinking hard about your hardware you want the hardware just to be there you know keeping up with you if, if not staying ahead of you and you know we're glad to be a part of that you're the foundation for everything we do. Thank you for that. And thanks for taking the time to do this. It's always nice talking with you. That was Larry O'Connor, the CEO and founder of Otherworld Computing, OWC. You can find out more. You want to tell us where people can go to learn more about your products? Yeah, you can learn about everything in the other world computing uh, universe at OWC.com. OWC.com. And uh, thank you so much, Larry. Appreciate it. We'll talk again very soon. And everybody listening, you know what I tell you. Get up off your chair and go do something wonderful today. Have a great day. This is Serena Catania signing off.